question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. And two-time Nebraska walk-on tryout participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. <laughs> yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. We're oh. having some technical <laughs> difficulties. I uh, turned the automate off, and then the music decided to keep playing over it anyway. So Sure. Welcome to it, Chasing History on 90.3 Karen. You're linking Colton uh, Stone. Stone alongside Jake Larson. Good morning, beautiful people. Uh, it's Friday. You know what that means, Chasing History time. Jake, other than that, how are you? <laughs> You know, I'm doing uh, all right. I'm, you know, ready to get angry about things that happened way, way wh- before our time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, today we got a special episode. Uh, one of the events that really, I think, started the idea of talking about sports history was um, what we're going to be talking about in depth today. And that was the 1904 Olympics, the most racist. It was, it was a. It was a racist sideshow that happened to have the Olympics in it. Involved, right. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk, if you have some time left, we're going to be talking a little bit about the MVP, which I will say this off the bat. Congratulations to uh, Mookie Betts and Christian Yellick. The first, this is something that I was really excited to see. I'm not a big Christian Yellick guy, being a Cubs fan. I'm a bit of a hater. But Mookie Betts is one of my favorite players in baseball right now, that's for sure. But mm. both of them, I will say, deserved to win the award. This is the first time since 2010 that both uh, both winners of the MVP had an OPS above one. So First time ever? Since 2010. Oh, okay. I missed that number. Oh, because remember, remember when 20 players in each league would have an OPS above one in the steroid You're era? You're right, yeah. Pre 2010, everyone had an OPS. Oh yeah, one. exactly. If you didn't have I was, an OPS one. Yeah, and that's what. It, yeah, now like it's pretty amazing that. if one, you know, a couple players can get mm-hmm. above that. But now, yeah, first time, just like baseball should be, you got a couple players above the OPS of one. They're realizing the right statistics to judge a player on to vote for in the MVP, and mm-hmm. so yeah, you know. Now this isn't an exaggeration of of a stat because I actually don't know the number, but I feel like this is the first time in a long time that the winners of the Cy Young Awards weren't a member of either World Series team? Um, well, what is interesting is that... Or at least a team that made the playoffs. Well, what is interesting to me is that this is the first year, I believe, that I think only three times in his No, okay, here it is. Last three years, the World Series winner had an MVP... Before that, in the 25 years prior, mm-hmm. only one team, only one World Series team had the MVP. That's interesting. So. And they got one this year. So. How many times in a row did you say it is? Or is three it- times uh, the last three years. But okay. before that, in the past 25 years, there had only been one. Wow. That is uh, – because when you think about – no, it's – it's hard to compare leagues hey, oh, and you sports know, and everything. Oh, you'd but be excited to know. You know who that one guy was that won? Was it Barry Bonds? Ricky Henderson. Oh. But 
here's the other thing is also this was the first time I think that the one of the first time I don't oh, forget the number, but this is one of the first mm. times in however long that the I think it was the last time that the two best teams in the league each the best team in each league mm-hmm. also had the MVP. Last time that happened was when it was Ricky Henderson and Barry Bonds in 1990, and I think those two guys are first ballot chasing history Hall of Famers <laughs> on the show. You got Jack Johnson, we have Barry Bonds, we have Ricky Henderson. Um, Why here, here, let's let's save that. Why don't we? Our last show this semester, we'll do our chasing Hall history Hall of Famers. Yeah. First ballot Hall of Famers. Yes, absolutely. And we'll save second ballot for next. Well, I'm just semester. saying we we already know those guys are. Oh well, yeah. So well, there's anyway. only two of us, so yeah. they just need two full votes. Um, <clears throat> no, what I was saying, I now I remember the stat. Now, when I said Barry Bonds, it didn't make any sense. Ricky Anderson makes more sense, but um, yeah, no, that's interesting because you think about like college sports, or you think about the Heisman Trophy, or you think about you know fill in the blank trophy in college yeah it's like oh well that guy played for the team that won the national championship so he's probably going to be on the heisman and now i know they vote for the heisman before that happens but it's basically who the best team is at the time of the vote Mm -hmm. because and and we've seen that throughout all of history uh for the heisman trophy for the most part because there's been times where voters now they used to vote before the last game of the season i.e why how did herschel walker not win his freshman year but that's not the point uh, we already got mad about that one time. <laughs> I don't want to um, get mad about that again. My but, blood's already boiling thinking about the 1904 Olympics. <laughs> but for example, like that, like why would you ever vote before the last like game of the year? Why would you ever like that's and usually the last game of the regular season is your biggest game of the regular yeah. season. A lot and of times that's your Heisman and if it, moment. If it is, and if it isn't in terms of if it isn't in terms of record. It's still probably your biggest rival. Yeah. Like for such a long time, Nebraska played. Georgia Oklahoma. played Georgia Tech when Herschel Walker was a freshman, and that was like his. And they weren't his even best a, game of the they year. Were, I don't even think they were in the same conference at that time. Well, they still aren't. But yeah, I, I don't know if they were at that time. I don't think cause, so. Cause, I mean, because so many teams back then were independents. Georgia Tech that. might have used. They may have been in the Big East with. Uh, no, that was Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech and Miami used to be in the Big East. Well, I'm I think Georgia Tech was always in the ACC. Uh, they may have been independent for a while too, though. Uh, yeah, they began uh, playing the ACC in 1979, so the year before. Oh, look at that! So lines up perfectly. But anyways, wow. I just think that's interesting that you, for so many years, you wouldn't have a player from a World Series team, whether winning the MVP or the Cy Young. But I get it. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's wrong. I think it's it should be objectively looked at that. These are your stats. Write them on a piece of paper with no name, no team. Just look at the numbers. I mean, that's what we're kind of all about for the most part. Yeah, I think it's interesting just with pro sports how little the record can really – I mean, sometimes it does, but sometimes it just really doesn't um, change the idea whether someone should be an MVP Mm. or not as much as it does. So another Heisman guy that should have won was Marshall Falk. Well, I mean, yeah. But I'm talking about Marshall Falk yeah. over Gino Toretta. Because Toretta oh, yeah. went to Miami. a national championship, yep. which is yeah, Miami. Um, and Marshall Falk went to San Diego State, who was 6-6. Six and six, But at the same time, Tom, or um, Marshall Falk averaged four touchdowns a game. Yeah. Well, they received, like, total touchdowns a game. And so it's in three touchdowns over his career. 
And it's like, uh, so. I just want to know where we started because this, this. And then they didn't vote against him. It's just like, oh, because if he was really that good of a player, they'd be better the than six. The record would have been better. Yeah. And it's like, That's... but then at the same time, you have guys like Alex Rodriguez in 2002 um, in baseball, Andre Dawson in 1987, who finished on the worst team in their respective league, and they still win the MVP. Mm-hmm. So, well, what I was going to say is, I know we're now we're kind of going back and forth between sports, but just to stay on the Heisman, I want to know where where we started caring more about quarterbacks than like skill positions. Because you can go through like the history of the Heisman. It's like okay, couple of running backs, quarterback, couple of running backs, receiver, and then you look at from two thousand to now. It's all quarterbacks, and I think there's been three running backs. Mm-hmm. So that's and really one of them become, got vacated. It's really become the advent of first of all player protection. Quarterback protection is where that first starts off, um, and so they've seen seen as a higher regard. And that's mainly though started also because of the advent of the spread offense, which cr- increases passing yards and rushing opportunities for your quarterback. So the That's true. And so offense are less rush-focused. And um, also at the same time, honestly, wide receivers haven't been as big of uh, Heisman winners as some people like mm-hmm. to believe. They're some of the most memorable, but that's just because they're that good that they end up becoming a Heisman winner. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's usually why I... if you look, I think, I think the first time that a true wide receiver, a guy who is solely a wide receiver and, um, and is not like a, and didn't do it from kick returns or punt returns, a true wide receiver, um, was Tim Brown. Like I think, and I think the first time like a part-time wide receiver won the award was Johnny Rogers. So, and you you can look it up and prove me wrong if that's the case. But I'm I'm just like, I but I'm almost certain that that's that's the that that's the case. Yeah, there's only been three running backs since 2000, and then and then you look at here even the 90s, 99, Ron Dane, 98. Uh, Ricky Williams, ninety-seven was cornerback, punt returner Charles Woodson, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Werfel, a guy that should have never won the Heisman. Oh no, uh, Eddie George, Rashawn Salam, Charlie Ward. Like you look in the nineties, and only a couple of them were cornerbacks. Charlie Ward, point guard. <laughs> Desmond Howard, he was a part. Uh, I mean, he, he was he, a punt returner, but I mean, was, I mean, he was a decent wide receiver too. Yeah, like you. I mean, a lot of there's been some guys that win the award for mainly punt returns, but if they, or if just, they didn't, if they, if they were bad at everything else, there would not be enough. Been a Heisman, of, yeah. There wouldn't have been enough of an argument for them to win. Now that's the thing is like you can't. You, the punt returning obviously may have been like their best thing, but they still had to be really good at everything else to win the Heisman. How many times have we discussed Heisman like winners on the show? I feel it might be our most popular topic. Heisman and and uh, MLB MVPs and me just going off. On how and Barry Bonds. Barry Edgardo, Bonds is up there too. He's his own like category. <laughs> and Edgardo Alfonso finishing above Sammy Sosa in 1990. What? 63 home runs, 
in a OPS above one isn't enough for like batting an 800 OPS and like 20 stolen bases. There had to, there had to have been a sympathy vote from 1972 to 1983. 11 straight running backs won the Heisman. From what what time period? Sorry, from from well because Johnny Rogers was wide receiver running back, but yeah. So from Johnny Rogers. From Johnny Rogers to Mike Rozier, they were all running backs. Just think about that. Wow. And now it's only quarterback. So that's all I wanted to say. I just... But that's there's another reason why you have all these other awards, the Bolitnikoff, um, you have your you know, Jim Thorpe Awards, you have your fill-in-the-blank awards. We're going to do our own player of the year, and we're not going to – Take position into account. Did you see Ed Oliver had his Heisman moment last night? No. So apparently he went. He didn't play last night. So, oh. uh, but you know how on the sideline when it's cold they have those big like puffer jackets like to keep the players warm. Mm-hmm. So apparently the rule is uh, their coaches may drop white. Uh, apparently the rule is that if you aren't playing, you don't get the coats that are meant for the players, right? So he had one on and. Uh, Major Applewhite basically just walks over and, you know, I didn't yell at him. It's just like, you know, you can't wear the jacket. And then as they're running off the field for halftime, they uh, kind of got into a, a heated discussion. Um, and so that's Ed Oliver's Heisman moment is he was told he can't wear a puffer jacket um, and that he actually is not uh, more important than everybody else on the team. Um, before we continue on, I'm going to give a, sh- a quick shout-out to Major Applewhite, in fact. Um, one of my favorite stories was hearing about... So, Major Applewhite is apparently is a huge 311 fan. Really? And so, uh, when Nebraska beat Texas in the Big 12 championship... What year? What 99. 99. Okay, the only yeah. time we ever beat them. Yeah, no, I was trying to think. Yeah, it was, 90, yeah, bad, it was 99. But, yeah. Um, anyway... The last time that we were considered a national champion by uh, a place, a, a thing, a by anybody, um, and apparently he had met the band at one point, like later, like a few years later, mm-hmm. and he said that yeah, at first I was disappointed, but then I remember three eleven would be happy that Nebraska won, so it wasn't as bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, what happened according to uh, S. A. Martinez of three eleven, so it's so what had happened according to everybody that was there. Uh, before we do move on, because I want to make sure we have enough time for the 1904 Olympics. I think think we will, but yeah. The, uh, stat of the week that I saw, Michigan State, as of last Saturday, has used five punters this season. (laughs) They lost one. (laughs) It's funny, but it's also like, (laughs) it's kind of crazy too. One of them broke his leg. Ooh. One tore his ACL. The... Third one was their backup quarterback, Rocky Lombardi. That, that's an all-time football guy name. That's a right football there. name. Well, and the thing, too, like, uh, my little brother was shocked by this. He's like, why, why did Big Ben have a punt today? And I was like, because all quarterbacks are trained to punt within, like, the 40-yard line because you don't want to send your punter out there because he's probably going to blow it out of the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. But what you do is you make sure your quarterback can at least – put his foot on a ball and yeah. take it like 20-ish yards. So Rocky Lombardi wasn't bad. Well, then they have uh, a walk-on come in. That's number four. And he's 
fine, but not great. And then, so they send in, uh, a true freshman, um, and he currently holds the duties of punting, but who knows? They might have to go to number six. Mark D'Antonio was quoted saying, I think we have, uh, I think we have the most depth at punter in the entire nation. And I think that's true because I don't think most places have more than two guys that can punt, let alone uh, yeah. five. And they needed all, all almost, they would have needed almost all of them because when they played Michigan State, Michigan State's punt, or, uh, Sorry, when they played Ohio State, Ohio State's punter had nine punts, and he had five straight inside the six-yard line. Yeah. <laughs> That's me when I do the Madden mini camp. Or six straight, whatever it was. It he sounds said, like me during the Madden mini camp. He said something about, uh, he's like, well, I wouldn't have wanted to do it seven times in a row. <laughs> um, and then Michigan State's, their two punters combined, I think one punted three, one punted five. So, yeah. It's a kicker's game, man. You know what the worst part was, actually, is Drew Chrisman, Ohio State's punter, that he ended up only averaging 37 yards a punt, but he punted it nine times, and one of them went like eight yards. Um, didn't get special teams player of the week. That's a really disappointment. Yeah. He was robbed. He was our – he's our – So I'd like to start a witch hunt for why. He's <laughs> our Big Ten special teams player of the week. A year. Let's just, year. Let's just call it what it is. All right. We'll do that. Until until uh, punter number six occurs for uh, for Michigan State, it's Drew Christman. All right, now onto the main event. Yes, so that's what so, someone call it. Yeah, we don't have a show next week, but if we did, oh yeah, we don't. But if we did, news to me, it would be the anniversary, the 114th anniversary. Of the ending of the 1904 St. Louis Summer Olympics. Actually, there were only there was only Summer Olympics, so it was about 1904. Yeah, Olympics. didn't the Winter Olympics start in, in the, the 30s? 30s. In the 30s. Okay, I 30s. thought it was a little later than that, but 1932 in France. So, 1904 Olympics. Look out, we got an Olympic expert over here. I'm the sports boy. <laughs> so, first of all, like, let me just say, so yeah, if you're wondering, like, why did the Olympics end? On November twenty second, nineteen oh four, did they start on like November for some? No, they started in July first, and they went all the way to November twenty second. Welcome to the Fall Olympics. Yep, and I mean that's already like not a good start. <laughs> and then I mean, there's so many things to talk about here. First of all, this wasn't supposed to be in St. Louis. Originally, um, so I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Olympic selection process, but pretty much it's not just been like who gets it more or like. Well, recently who, it's been whoever can pay the most. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, that's changed recently, but pretty much through all of history, it's been a matter of who has a reason to host the Olympics. Yeah, which that's and kind why of a, a rotation lot of, too. Which is yeah, I mean partly, which is like for reasons why like. Atlanta was able to host the Olympics for the for the uh, Centennial Olympics instead mm-hmm. of Greece. It's because Greece didn't have a reason besides, oh, it's the 100th anniversary. We, we deserve well, it. Started here, we, so. we deserve it. Atlanta's like, okay, they give a presentation like, yeah, the, you know, we have the, – the American South has completely revitalized mm-hmm. um, 
Atlanta is Outcast is popular right now. Exactly. Outcast is releasing their new album. <laughs> uh AT aliens are gonna there's gonna be a group there's gonna be a rap group that forms in eight years. <laughs> it's called Outcast. And they're gonna release an album called AT Aliens right as the Olympics starts, and it's it's gonna be wild. And like you guys are gonna just have wait. to check them. Just wait. <laughs> but no, like so our government is we have a nearly all black uh, city council um in the mm. in the south which right. you know at one point they didn't Would get have this opportunity saying yeah and so we're just th- we've completely revitalized apparently it was almost tear-jerking like this presentation that they had about how the south had changed especially in atlanta so that's what gave them that opportunity so chicago's reasoning was we're going to introduce you to the new american west the american midwest and they're like okay then they st louis is like but we're doing a world's fair in 1903 for the hundredth anniversary of the louisiana purchase so we can't have like two events right around the same time that are major world events. St. Louis is like, how about we steal the Olympics from you guys and make it a sideshow of the 101st anniversary now of the Louisiana Purchase? And they're like, no. And so they, so in other words, they got the Olympics in St. Louis uh, without you know Chicago's necessarily their approval. And so with less than a year. St. Louis had to set up the Olympics, and that, of course, that was an absolute disaster. And like I mentioned, it was just ended up being a sideshow for the World's Fair uh, dedicated to the Louisiana Purchase. Mm-hmm. You see something, or you're just listening? Or... Uh, no, uh, I ended up looking up eight of the most unusual facts about it. And the first one actually was that it wasn't supposed to be in St. Louis, so good for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, dude. I, I, I don't know if I you're looking at the same list. No, but, I looked or... at like... I did a lot Multiple. of research. I'm not going to lie. I did a lot of research for this one. No, I just so the, the second. I did one stumble on across that one at one point. It was like one of my first. That was one of my starter, you know, well, to get my feet off the ground. It's probably it's a, good, a good one to start with. Oh, it, it ended. It really is. So then we have. So this was less. I mean, it was less than 20 years, but it was still like 15 years, I believe, from the first transatlantic flight. Mm-hmm. So European athletes had to take a boat across the Atlantic, to go to the Olympics if they wanted to go. Classic. So because of this, there were 651 athletes at this Olympics. 526 were Americans, and 56 were Canadian. So I'm, I'm not good at adding, but that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for the European. The rest. <laughs> for, the, for the rest of them. I think there was even a couple from Australia somehow, which I don't know how that worked out but yeah there's a lot of great whites down there it's pretty easy to swim upstream that's true that is true they and travel over a thousand miles in their life or in, also, a, in a year and also an interesting this was in one way that this olympic was progressive uh this was the first time that they allowed females to compete mm-hmm. and so there are 651 athletes six were women you yeah was that right yeah you're right <laughs> six were women and they competed in women's boxing which was recently reintroduced after they banned yeah. it right after 1904 and but most of them and by most i mean four of them competed in uh i think yeah i seriously think there were only two female athletes for boxing and they just faced each other and that was that was it and yeah. So, yeah. and then they had four out of three and they had four for archery and so because of this um disparity uh between uh, North American athletes compared to the rest of the world. There are 280 medals awarded at this Olympics. Which now that I think about it, that's not a multiple of three. 
So. Yeah, I well, this isn't a the total medals, but I have the number I have here is the total number of medals that the U.S. won. In two hundred, which is two hundred thirty-nine. Okay, yeah, that's the number I have. And so I have, but total medals just. How in many general. events were there? You're gonna have to make you gotta, me. You're, you're gonna have, have to make me count. You gotta think about this. You you just said a stat that there was only two women for boxing. That means there can't be a bronze thinking, medal winner. And that's what I'm thinking was the case. But then that would be 281. That still is not a multiple of three. If they had a third place. All right. We're going to... I'm sure there were a couple events that... <sighs> okay. I thought you did research on this, man. All right. Okay. Here it is. Here it is. There were 96 gold, but there were only 92 for both silver and bronze. So there were four events when they just awarded a first place winner. Okay. Yeah, that makes that sense. sense? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I was just like... I was trying to comprehend the, what the phrase you said was. But yes, that makes sense to me. All right. So that's figured out. So there was a couple uh, interesting events uh, that took place at this Olympics. Uh, they had, you know, basketball, American football, baseball as demonstration sports. Uh, they would do that whenever the Olympics were in the U.S. They'd have their own, their own. Hey, look at this. Sports. Yeah, they'd do that, and um, which they had some pretty legendary uh, basketball teams there early on, and one of them I think was the. One of the gold medal winners because they had it in sections in like a collegiate, a professional, uh, local mm-hmm. section. The original dream team. Mm-hmm. And they had the Buffalo Germans, who was one of the first um, basketball teams to really dominate. I think they had a record all time of like 520 wins and 70 losses. So pretty successful. And this is where they first got their start. But actual events at this Olympiad that were um, medaled were golf tug of war this thing called roquet which is like Did you look it up it's it's an american version of croquet that has bordered walls uh-huh. it's in a square and like a pool table so you can like bounce it off and that's part of the strategy you want it to like bounce off the wall right yeah i think am i yeah keep talking about it I, i'm just gonna look it up. you look it up because i i tried to fault, figure it out but i couldn't um, and then one of the most popular events was being racist. Um, so I mean, it was the 1900s. So, th- but just <laughs> wait. Here, so there's something. Put, put this in context. On context, America, 1904, right? This is what? Je- I mean, we're just 40 years out from the Civil War, and yeah, you're also no, 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 no. You're also what? 20 years out from. Um, I can't even think of the word now. Uh, the like the whole South where they originally like the slaves are freed, and then some of them start getting into positions of power. But I, there was a a word for it. And I don't remember what it is. Now. It starts so, with an R. And so but... I do. I know I get the historical context of situations. Um, in that you know people just didn't understand necessarily what was right or you know acceptable at the time or whatever. But then there's some things that, like, I don't care what the time period is. Like, I cannot defend that. Oh, I'm not either. <laughs> like, I can't I'm just be saying, like, to put it in context. Yeah. They, okay, so first of all, as part of the World's Fair, they they had a human zoo. 
So they would take right. people in indigenous <laughs> tribes, uh, such as the the Sioux, um, like some of the Native Americans, uh, and then they would go to like Africa and they find some African tribes there, and they'd put them in exhibits for a human zoo, mm-hmm. like. They'd put people in cages, and people would look at them for entertainment. And then, so what they did with those people is they'd take them, and they'd make them compete. And I think what they called the uncivilized games. And this is, like, really frustrating. Yeah, I know. Like, and then they, so they would do, like, okay, we're going to take these people... And we're going to make them run against each other and see which one of them is the superior race. Even though it's like the whole point of it was to make white people look better because they wouldn't freak out when a when a gun was fired um, to start off the 100 meters. Mm-hmm. And so essentially that whole part of the Olympics mm. was just racist pseudoscience to prove white superiority. And people freak out about, oh... Jesse Owens, he he proved Hitler wrong in 1936, which was supposed to be a demonstration of the Aryan race. And it's like, we did the same thing at one point, too. So. America didn't kill six million Jews. That's true. That, that's, that is that's true. kind of where the line was drawn. But that, that was also pre that. I'm not, I'm not, again, not defending that by any means. No, but. But we can't. We didn't know it was going to turn that This direction. is one of those things that is like ignores me that we are ignoring. Or, like, putting aside, like, we need to, like, ex- admit these things that but, happened. Let me like, put it this way. And the reason I say this is, so I took, here at UNL, I took uh, African-American history after the Civil War. And I found that it's, it was Reconstruction, 1865 to 1877, mm-hmm. um, which is basically the reformation of the South and, and the government everything like that. But yep. after 1877, it basically went back to the same way it was before the Civil War, except for it wasn't slavery. It was you were working, but you weren't getting paid. It was just you could eat. Um, the thing is, is, and I'm not saying uh, you know I was failed in this class by any means, but uh, I didn't, even in that class, knew nothing about the 1904 Olympics. I mean, it's just something that I feel like, now maybe it's because we didn't have time for it because of how in-depth this thing actually is, and that I understand. But it's one of those, you're a junior, I'm a senior, and uh, there no one has ever like just been like, hey, you want to know how bad America was? 1904, we were just putting people in cages because we felt like it. No, like, yeah, and that annoys me because everyone's like, oh, we proved Hitler wrong in 1936. Like, we were putting people in cages. Like, I know... What he we did were was Hitler bad. in 1904. <laughs> we were putting people in cages. Then we made them compete against each other and laughed when they freaked out because someone fired a gun. Because they'd never. Yeah. Ah. Was there a war going on? Was that the Spanish-American War? Right around time? that time. Yeah. yeah right around after. that time. So this gets me really frustrated. But also, hold on. Yeah. 1904 Olympics, 101st anniversary of the Louisiana Purchase. It's not like the Louisiana Purchase is this grand, big old thing to to be happy about either. Other than you know, hey, we just stole this land That's from a true. bunch of other people. That is true. It was celebrating imperialism. <laughs> so, Manifest Destiny, man. I mean, that uh, really, that's no, like the, what the it was. was. That's was the just, bad part. <laughs> it, was, it was literally, it was all it was was just a celebration of imperialism. So, well, that makes me feel great. So, we're going to change. Not to we're be gonna, political, but, you know. But, I mean. Chasing history was, takes on DC. So. 
I, you're my running mate. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. Anyway. I'm older, so. Okay. And so, anyway, let's go to a feel-good story now so we can All feel right, yeah. a little bit better. So, there's a guy who was a, a bookkeeper for a law firm. He just, who, uh, he, he, was a, he was a bit of a sportsman. And so, uh, you know, he decided to give his shot at the Olympics. <laughs> he ended up winning six medals in one day. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about this guy? He had a wooden leg. <sighs> like, so when he was a kid, his leg was ran over by a train. Because that's Jeez. what kids that's what kids did for fun in the eighteen hundreds is they get over run over yeah. and they get their legs amputated. Um I don't know why we don't do that now. I mean I, I don't know. advise it, but I could see how it'd kill some time. Or kids. Or yeah, well, yeah. Or yourself. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so yeah. He won the vault <laughs> with a wood <laughs> That's my favorite one. So it's like so it's one thing like <laughs> I mean, it'd still be pretty impressive if a guy won something in gymnastics with a wooden leg. But, like, yeah, it'd be a little explainable if he, like, won rings or something like that. Yeah, or if he won, I was going to say the pommel horse, but even then. But he won the vault without a springboard. I'm telling you, man, uh, something was in his leg. Like, he, cor- he corked his leg. That's what he did. Whatever. I think he's he has one of those Pistorius <laughs> rocket legs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you look at that thing, there's no technology to that at all. They handed it to a carpenter, and he's like, "Put it on your leg." All right, that looks like a leg. Um, put it on. <laughs> he's just, he's just, you know, he's marching with that one, one leg. He's walking normally. The other one, he's just high kick marching. So, like, while America was racist, they also let pirates in. So, yeah, German pirates by the name of George Iser. He was a bit of a, you know, but he um. He also, that was not his only success. He did win um, an international meet in 1909, and he won a national meet in 1912 afterwards. So he was a successful gymnast for the years afterwards. So people are saying, um, what's that? Um, Simone? Is it Gabby Simone? Or Simone Biles? Simone Biles, I'm yeah. I was like trying to think. I, I, at first of all, I was thinking of Gabrielle Union. And, sorry. That's, that is not, uh, that's not right. Um, yeah, Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Doesn't she have the People most? People are saying she's one of the greatest gymnasts. gymnasts and I, uh, she's definitely up Accurate, there. Yeah. But she doesn't have a wooden leg. <laughs> doesn't have a wooden leg, no. But she does have. Didn't she? Doesn't she have the most gold medals or or something like that of like she's an American one, I think she's the gymnast? first gymnast to win ev- a gold medal in every single event in an international event. Okay. So like yeah, because uh, gymnastics have- gymnastics is interesting. Because you you kind of compete in everything. Like you weren't like I'm just rings. Yeah, they want you to compete in multiple events. Right. Because they like, want that you was... to be really good. Well, they want you to be good at all of them. But if there's like if it's a team competition, of course it's like, hey, you're really good at this, so we're relying on you to get the points from here and so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean it's it's kind of amazing that even I mean it's one of the only sports that is like that that you can say, oh, I'm the best at mm-hmm. everything of this sport and that's what i think is um interesting too um i last year i did a project on men, nebraska men's gymnastics uh-huh. which one of like 18 men's programs in the entire country yeah there used to be more there used to be like 150 yeah 
And I think like in the 90s or early 2000s, basically everyone cut it. Yeah, because Title IX, there's just no way that they could continue to support yeah, it. And, that, and that's not, by any means, like a knock on Title IX. It's just that if you're a school, i.e. like Nebraska, and you have a football program, and you need 85 scholarships for one sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. I, but I did a project on them, and really, they're the most successful program in Nebraska sports, I would say. Because they've won more national championships than any other. How many in, do in they have? Seven? Eight. And they, they won five eight. in a row at one point. Yeah, yeah. One of, 90s? One of 70s to 80s. And in they're one of, I think, like 13 Division One schools do have won five championships in a row. Just in, in, in any sport. Yeah. In Division One. Anyway, I did a project on them. And I interviewed them. And they were talking. And one of the things they brought up um, that I think is relevant to this is just how valuable it is to be able to have a guy that like they have they have like oh this guy he's um he's good at rings we were looking forward with him doing well in rings but we need guys that are like the all-around guys and they have a couple mm-hmm. of those and it's like if they need them if they need an extra guy to go in there and possibly win them a medal or a you know a, sta- a and spot some points whatever yeah yeah win points they'll put them in there and they can probably do it and it's yeah and it's pretty interesting just how like some of those kids are able to just go in there at any event and be like, yeah, I can, I can win. And and there's such a difference. To, and I know we're now we're way off, but there's such a difference too between like women's and men's gymnastics too, because men's is like a focus of how strong can you mm-hmm. be. Yeah. And women's is more about grace. More about grace and um, almost technique. I, I mean, both are. I mean, it's a very technical sport, but it's almost like. Uh, a men, like a men's event, you can probably get away with more if it. Uh, I don't want to say looks more impressive, but like depending on how strong or big you are in a women's event, it's more about how good did the entire performance look. So, but anyways. Anyway, now let's talk about gymnastics. The worst thing. Well, oh, it besides, gets worse. <laughs> so this is like just in terms of stupid. Yeah. I know I made the joke too if that guy with the wooden leg won the marathon, but well, he might have well as done it. So the marathon as a whole was really stupid. Well, like, yeah, it was just I so mean, stupid. Yeah. So at the very beginning, we're like off to a pretty bad start. Yeah. Usually, People are in cages. The... Hardly anyone from another country's there. Mm-hmm. Guy then, wins with a wooden leg. So. Usually a marathon, like an ideal starting temperature, is like 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Once it's around 70 to 75 degrees, they're like, we might suspend running this marathon. Oh, so like they look at that pretty closely, don't they? Nowadays, yeah. Like to look at temperature to see how... What, really? What? Yeah. And that, that might be why they started at like 3 in the morning. <laughs> so this marathon started... At 104 degrees. Oh, my goodness. And there was no shade. I can't even stand outside in 104 degrees. So there was no shade, and there was no water, and it was on a dusty trail. No little kids hanging out. Nope. Comes water. None. It wasn't safe for kids to be out there. There They were too busy at the train tracks. So there's a couple guys, though, that would drive around in um, cars on these dusty trails, but, like, it's 104 degrees, you have no water, and all this dust is getting kicked into your lungs while you're running. (laughs) Multiple guys um, 
One of them I will get into later. He had so much dust kicked into his system that it ate away at the membrane in his intestines and ate away like his digestive system. And like he just like violently got like violently ill in the middle of it. And he was not the only guy to get violently ill in this event. So the well, yeah, nineteen oh four. So you got a cold, you might die. Yep, white man karate. (laughs) 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 Anyway, um, so the guy who is looking he was the favorite going into this was a man by the name of john lorden he was the 1903 boston marathon winner you know how well he did in this event fourth he ran two blocks and then he started to violently puke everywhere and he did not finish the race (laughs) fourth (laughs) so he finished uh 14th i think yeah (laughs) he was not the only one that was like that dead yeah and then um, we have... It became who could run the farthest of the marathon without violently puking. So then we have some other notable runners. Um, there was Thomas Hicks, who was coached by a man by the name of Charles J.P. Lucas. Thomas Hicks um, was one of the many that was really suffering about halfway through the race. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty much felt like he was left... He was pretty much left for dead. Like, he was... On the ground, he was... I mean, would you have gone back for him? So, you know, he's pretty much... I wouldn't say on the verge of death, but he's on the verge of death. Right. And Charles J.P. Lucas, they're the cars that are driving around uh, the, the track stop by, and they he sees him, mm-hmm. and... Um, Thomas Hicks is begging for water. Mm-hmm. His coach will not give him water. What he will do, he has a sponge soaked in water, and he'll squeeze it uh, into his mouth, and then some on his head. And but no, but he's got a better thing than water. So he gives him some raw egg whites. Yeah. Um, strychnine, which is a medication, I believe. I think is the right word for it. And what it does is essentially the ability to turn your – it's a ridiculous version of caffeine that might be even worse than cocaine in terms of you – what it does is it cannot – your body cannot shut off. Like you can – there's things in your body that can tell you to like, okay, we're done. Stop. Let's stop. You cannot do that. And if you have too much, what can happen is that you can cause – it can cause – um. Yeah, it can cause um, nonstop muscle contractions. You know, like, have you seen those, like, old – this is what I learned when I was watching a video on it. Once again, thank you, John Boyce. So this was from a assistant that he had on his show for this one. Um, and they were talking about how – you see those, like, old paintings of, like, tetanus victims? Uh-huh. And, like, they're, like, arched at the back and they're – Right. That's essentially what would happen to those on strychnine because like they couldn't stop muscle contractions eventually what it would cause was all those muscle contractions would eventually cause the heart to stop and then the person would die well yeah because your heart one of the biggest muscles in your body (laughs) would not stop contracting yeah and that wasn't it they also gave him rat poison (laughs) 
I'm gonna have to give me just like a second here. Like a good morning cocktail. Wow. Um. So what bar do they serve this at? This is like a answer. pregame drink, huh? I was gonna answer, but then I realized that what if they heard it and they were like, <laughs> "We actually don't serve. We don't serve. <laughs> Ours Our, doesn't have rat poison in it." Okay, hey, everyone, <laughs> everyone, come over tonight. We're having a Thomas Six cocktail. <laughs> We're having a Thomas Hicks. What's in it? Uh, taste it. You'll figure. <laughs> you remember? You remember? In... <laughs> oh, mm, it's just like, like it's just like a syrup. Rat poison. <laughs> <laughs> the Nick Saban specialty: rat poison. <laughs> do you remember when you talked? Hey, about do you rat have any poison? more of your Thomas Hicks drinks? I don't. So quit asking. <laughs> All right, just we're not rat poison. We're not even. <laughs> I know. I still have a so, funny thing to tell you too. So, but. Um, a a runner that was also on the verge of death was Fred Lors, and they drove around. And they were driving him back. Car broke down, and it's like 104 degrees. And he's like, "You know what? I'm feeling all right now. I'm gonna just like jog back." <laughs> and on the way back, they he and Charles J P Lucas stumble across Thomas Hicks. Still on the verge of death. So you know what they did? They gave him more. They didn't give him more rat poison, but they gave him more raw egg whites, more strychnine, and they gave him some brandy. Yeah, that's what I just read. So he had, let's to, to recount, Thomas Hicks was given by his running coach in order to finish his race raw egg whites, strychnine, which causes the body to never shut off, Brandy and rat poison. He's the worst coach ever. <laughs> there is not a worse coach. Like, we, we also, you always, oh, Mike Riley. Mike Riley didn't feed his players brandy and rat poison and strychnine and raw egg whites. Which, I mean, is still kind yeah, of a low. Could've. I mean, it's Might kind of help. a low bar to go but but at least he, I mean, he didn't feed his players rat poison, so. But here's, but once again, we went into some dark territory there. We're going to go into lighter territory. Well, can I say something really quick? Yeah, absolutely. You already kind of talked about this. I guess I didn't know that the human zoo, they called it, and it was highly controversial, obviously, they called it Anthropology Days. <laughs> Include third world tribesmen, apparently. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. They, they took people from Africa, and they put them in cages. Also, and had him on display. Uh, oh my god! I think you kind of like said this too. Well, obviously there were allegations of cheating, but uh, lores that you're talking yeah. about. Uh, Just don't mention anything about Felix Harville Hall yet. No, I'm, I'm not going to go there. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm just like trying to. <laughs> he basically be- because he finished the race. I think you kind of got to this. He got dropped off, and then he just, the car breaks down, so he just finishes the race <laughs> like from where he is. It's like you do realize that you didn't run a good like <laughs> like six, seven, eight miles of it. Like, jeez, I it was all an elaborate joke. <laughs> Slapped him with a lifetime ban. <laughs> Wait. Fred Lore's got a lifetime ban. He got a lifetime ban because of that race. Oh, it, Charles pun- J.P. Hold on, Lucas. Hold on. His punishment was rescinded on the grounds that he was temporarily insane. 
probably because of his coach, <laughs> but he went on to win the 1905 Boston Marathon, I did which was that. probably ran in uh, correct weather. Mm-hmm. Also, I do want to mention, I forgot to mention this earlier. So John Lorden, Boston Marathon winner, he had a he had a, fr- a friendly rivalry. I guess you could say, because they were good friends, no. but a friendly rivalry, and he competed often in distance running events uh, with the nineteen or the eighteen ninety eight Boston Marathon winner. Do you know what his name was? Teddy Roosevelt. Um, it he shares a name with a fast food mascot. Oh. Ron, oh, isn't it Ronald McDonald? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. John Lorden's rival was Ronald McDonald. I remember that now. Who is now, who is later a physician. So, but he, let's get to the my favorite part of this whole thing. Oh, that he's a Felix, physician and then he's shoving uh, hamburgers down someone's. Yeah. Yeah, so, whatever. So, let's talk about my favorite part of this whole this whole Olympics. Get a positive way. It is the story of Felix Carvajal. Felix Carvajal was from Cuba before Cuba was the dictatorship that it is right. now. Uh, back when it was a democratic society. So, Carvajal, um, I think, let me double check, because there is some uh, dispute on what his job was. He lived in poverty, though. He was a mailman, that's true. I didn't know if it was mailman or milkman, but he was a mailman who lived in San, uh, San Antonio de los Baños, and uh, lived in poverty his whole life mm-hmm. uh, before he died in Havana. He's a mailman, and he put on for a lot of his money was earned through doing running exhibitions. He would run long distance, run fast speed. So you look what would, I can do, and people would tip him. That right. was his way of earning money because he didn't get a lot of money through being yeah. a mailman. And I so he thought that. his. Yes. Look how slow I can run. Pay me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm very. I've. Look how little distance I can run <laughs> before I pass out. You should give me money. That's impressive. So, Someone hold my inhaler hostage. Allegedly, like Felix Carvajal, from what I understand, is the Forrest Gump of Cuba because he allegedly ran across the entire island at one point. And he's like, you that play should running be. Back? What about no, he, no, he could have been a he could have been a kick returner for Alabama and Bear Bryant. So he allegedly ran across the whole island. Right. I wow. earned him enough money a lot. to make his way to the Olympics where he could finally earn enough money to get himself out of poverty. So he eventually earned that money. He took a boat that went to New Orleans. And then he took one of those river boats, one of those you know Mississippi River steamboat things, up to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He would have, but on the way to, in while he was in New Orleans, he lost all of his money in a craps game, and so he lost everything. And he had to hitchhike his way to St. Louis, and he made it. The time he made it to St. Louis was like as the race was about to start. And so if you look at a photo. Of the start of the race, you can tell who Felix Carvajal is because everybody is wearing like athletic clothes at the time. They're wearing the uh, the uh, track suit, yeah, the or track or the bit or uh, the basketball tops, jersey yeah, looking yeah, 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 track yeah. suit things, the shorts, a speedo, yeah, um, the shoes. 
And then you see a guy who's dressed in his work clothes. <laughs> and he's wearing long That's johns. He's wearing long johns and shoes, like work shoes. Um, he's wearing a, his beret. In fact, when he when he showed up, right as the race was about to start, someone actually was nice enough to turn his pants into shorts. And But you could still see that he's wearing long johns. And this is 104-degree weather. And he's wearing long sleeves. It's just like... You see, are you looking at a picture of him right now? No, but I'll, I'll find one. I'm laughing about other things about him, so go ahead. So, what happened was, okay, this is one of the things that John Boyce says, and I agree with him. You can believe whether this is true or not, because every source says it's true, but there's just no way. Yeah, it's 1904. We like we can't. We, there's so we many ridiculous know, things that happen. Yeah. There's so many ridiculous things that happen too that there's a decent chance that it happened. So anyway, <laughs> Felix Charvahal, he had hitchhiked his entire way up from New Orleans to St. Louis, so he was really hungry, really tired, and so he was while he was running, he decided to stop at an apple tree. Yep. And take a nap. <laughs> and he ate some apples. He took his nap. He didn't realize that the. Uh, that the apple was poisonous. <laughs> so he got really sick, and he passed out, and then he finished fourth. <laughs> yep. He finished fourth in his work clothes. Bowled over by stomach cramps. And near death, probably. And Yeah, and near death. Like, he, was, he almost died, and then he finished fourth in work clothes. First, I'd like to say the winner of the marathon, three hours, 28 minutes, and 53 seconds. Um... Wow. <laughs> That's just Yeah, so the winner of the marathon finished uh so they had all marathon times in Olympic history. Yeah. And, and obviously like athletes have gotten a lot better since nineteen oh four, but but the the first place winner of the nineteen oh four marathon, which let me look up who it was quickly. I was also just like to say Felix Carvajal. Um, the length of Cuba is 1,250 kilometers, which if you change 700 that... 700 miles, right? 776 miles, almost 777. So, yeah. Believe that if you want, but... Okay, you know who won first place? Thomas Hicks. No, he didn't. Yes. We need to make a cocktail after that guy. So, Thomas Hicks, the guy who like nearly died and had brandy and rat poison... <laughs> And strychnine in his system. He won first place. His time is in the 96th percentile of all Olympic marathon times. Like slowest? Yeah, like 96 is in 96% of people finished faster than him. Oh, like geez. not just winners, but just all people that have ever competed in the Olympic marathon. He spent the last 10 miles of competition in utter agony. <laughs> That's a big that'd, mood. That'd be me in the first mile of a marathon in utter agony. And the second and the third. I was just like waiting to find out that like, you know, oh, so like a president of ours was in the 1904 Olympics. I don't think he was, but I was kind of hoping to find out that like someone famous was in this. I mean, Thomas Hicks is pretty famous now. Thomas Hicks should be a legend in my book. Well, Jake, I'd like to say we, we've got about three minutes here. So, um, did a little bit of research on Roe K. All right. It, uh, 
like you said, is an American variant variant of croquet, and the reason um, they played it, it uh, they replaced croquet with roquet um, since it was in America. Uh, popular in the first quarter of the 20th century and billed as the game of the century by its enthusiasts. Um, <laughs> and also, you know how we call you know Oklahoma Nebraska game of the century? No, it was actually roquet. It was, well, it was actually roquet, but there are, the the idea of game of the century I kind of hate because there's so many game of the centuries uh, when it comes to football. But a little more about roquet. Um, the highest governing body for a while was the American Roquet League, uh, 1916 to 1970s, maybe. There's a question mark. Um, National Two-Ball Roquet Association, don't know when it started, but ended in the 1970s. The National Roquet Association, the original NRA, uh, <laughs> 1899 to no one knows when. They might be. Maybe that's why the abbreviation changed. They just like, hey, let's just change the R and we're good to go. Uh and then the National Croquet Association, 1882 to 1899, because that's when people should yeah, have stopped got, caring. They got First w- played in the 1880s. They got WWF. That's what happened to them. Yeah, we're taking your name. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess, since we don't really play Roquet anymore. That's wow. wild. So also, that was the stupidest sporting event ever. Also, 1904 Olympics, things that had in, in common with the Georgia Tech-Cumberland matchup. Uh, Both were barely a sporting event. Correct. South African runner Len Tao was chased off the course by a pack of wild dogs. There was a uh, running back was to, yeah. running back for the Cumberland team was, was chased scared off by the field. a dog. He yeah. was chased off the field by a wild dog as well. So that's that's the tie to that. I, I was hoping you'd get that. But, yeah. You know. oh. Man. So what you're saying is we should bring Roque back. No. Is that what we're supposed to do? No, but it's probably the highlight of the Olympics. We that saying anything. We need to revive Roquet. Well, yeah, I don't think there was a highlight to this. Basically, what we're saying is uh, America's no better than any other country when it comes to being racist. So, take 45 seconds. Shout out to Willie, shout out to Pot Roast, shout out to Mustache Man, shout out to Willie, shout out to Sideshow, shout out to my dad, shout out to all the mommies keeping it high and tight. Anyone else that I'm missing? No, I think you actually hit them all. Wow. Pork chop. Pork shot. That's right. Is that one that we always forget? I need to keep remember. a list. Yeah, I think we just need to remember our shout-outs. Jake, you got any big plans for Thanksgiving? No. No. Eating with family. Family, man. That's what it's about. And yeah. having Funk be on the Call of Duty. Well, that's true. Uh, but that's always that's One always thing we're plan. thankful for, since we won't be able to say it next week, we're thankful for being on 90.3 Karen U. Lincoln. Jake Larson. I don't know if they're thankful that we're on 90.3 Carolina, though. <laughs> Colton Stone alongside Jake Larson. Thanks for listening to Chasing History on 90.3 Carolina, Lincoln. We'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. <laughs>